I always feel at a disadvantage up here because it's, I can hardly see some of you. It's dark, and especially in the balcony, so you're really incognito. And there you go. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, you are my rock and my redeemer. And I would ask on this day as I come to deliver the word that you would have spoken, that indeed you would be with me and that you would open all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls to what you have to send to us through your word, that the Holy Spirit would touch us so that when we leave this place, we may be your hands and feet that go into the world to serve in love those whom you send us to. All this we pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, when Jerry asked me to... Um, preach today, I immediately said, well, Jerry, what series are you preaching on so that I could have some direction of, of how to go? And he said, well, here's the deal. You get to preach on anything you want. And you think, oh, you should probably feel lucky about that. Well, in some ways you do, but that leaves a big, wide, open space, and you wonder, indeed, what to preach on. And I went through a whole list, and I said, Jerry just preached on that, Aaron just preached on So I began to think about why Aaron was on sabbatical, which is why I'm really up here, so that because he's gone when Jerry's on vacation, Jerry needed us to serve. And, you know, at the beginning of summer, he sent us this... Um, well, he gave us this clergy renewal, what he was doing. And in that brochure, it says, what is the theme for this clergy renewal program? And it said, our theme is intentional discipleship. It came out of a staff meeting where um, Aaron had shared with the rest of us in staff, and I'm not thinking I'm telling tales, um, that... Um, he had realized at the end of the day he was not really reflecting on his ministry and how well he had done. It was just something that came to his attention, perhaps in a time that he did. So he wanted to be more intentional about reflecting so he knew how well he lived out the commandments, and especially the commandment to love God and others through his ministry. So he began to use this examine that was on the back of this brochure about how we should get to a point where we can reflect how we're doing in ministry, how we are doing with our encounters with others, our encounters with God, our encounters um, with ourselves. You know, we encounter ourselves in our minds an awful lot. And so um, at the end of his sabbatical, he's going to talk more to us about this journey as he comes back and does a series with um, Jerry, so I'm not going to take all that thunder, but then it, it, it led me to think about how am I intentional? Do I really reflect upon the Word of God? And it brought me back to even when I was beginning to think about ministry and at a time in my life when I was struggling somewhat. And so um, I had a good friend. Um, her, Mary Miller, who kept saying to me, um, you need to come to Bible study. 
you need to come to Bible study. And I was a, a teacher in our Sunday school. I did everything you can think of under the sun in church, and, and many of you know that story. But she could see in me that I was struggling and not perhaps very joyful in my life. And so we went to this Bible study, um, and they were studying the book of John. At the end of that Bible study, the um, teacher had us answer, what was the significance of this Bible study for you? And, you know, being who I was, and I really am an introvert more than an extrovert, and lots of pastors tell you that. But I, I waited till everybody else almost in that whole room answered. And finally it got to me, and I said, well, there's two things I think I've gotten out of this study. That Jesus called me his friend, and chose me to do ministry with Jesus by loving others. And that entails then really going forth and bearing fruit in joy. You heard the words Martha read. You're to have complete joy in your life. Wow. So I went back to work, and then I went into ministry as a second career person, and I held that with me. I would like to say to you that right away when I had that realization, I just jumped in and did it all joyfully. Not so, and I'll share another little bit in a, in a moment. But um, So that's what led me to this sermon. And when I say we're sucking up life, as your little juice packets talk about, it's not about sucking up life and shoving it down and forgetting about it and being stoic and going on. It's about stucking up, sucking up life from Jesus Christ to give us the strength to go forward to do whatever God calls us to do in our everyday moments, not just when I'm working on the rummage sale or when I'm teaching the Bible study, but all the time. It's all encompassing. So that led me to this parable, the parable of the vineyard. How many people in here consider yourselves gardeners? You don't have to be shy. How many wish they were gardeners? <laughs> I think I fall in both categories, and um, some years I do better at it and other years I don't. But you know that if you're a gardener, there are things you have to do if you are going to produce, if it's a vegetable garden, great fruit. If you're going to produce flowers, great flowers. Um, even if you're raised, some people really do raise grapes now um, um, for their own winemaking. Whatever it is you're going to raise, you have to invest in it with these practices. You have to till the soil. You have to water the ground. You have to fertilize it. You have to weed it. You have to prune. And you have to sometimes even wash some of the plants clean if you are going to have a fruitful garden. A, a, a great garden doesn't just happen overnight. You have to invest 
time in it. If it did happen overnight, my bushes presently would look a lot nicer. And so we come to the parable. Jesus has just left the upper room with his disciples on the night before he's going to go to the cross to die for us and our sins. He's still teaching them as he's walking along. He has started a discourse up in the upper room. And I imagine that as he's moving to the Mount of Olives, he passes a vineyard. I don't know if they really could walk through the vineyard because they tell me in my research that the vineyards in Jesus' time, the vines just went all over the ground. They weren't up on the trellis-like things that we now do. But as he was walking through this area and saw the vineyard, I imagine he thought, this is the lesson that I need to teach my disciples, and this will help me to show them how they can stay in, that they must stay in me and abide in me. And so as he's walking along, and he says, the last of his great I am sayings, of which there are seven in the Gospels, he says, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. And you are the branches. So let's look at the vine dresser. You know, I had a son who was in the winemaking business for 10 years. He owned a um, winery with some friends. And so he would, when we visited, take us out to the the vineyard. And he introduced us to his um, vine keeper. The vine keeper in this story is God. The vine keeper at his vineyard was Mikey. Mikey would show us what he did with the vines, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, At the beginning of the season, just like any gardener does, he'd prune away the dead weight. He would cut away the extra growth. That was good growth, by the way. And so I said, Mikey, when I saw this, why are you cutting those away? And he said, I'm cutting those away because if there's too much groweth, then the plant won't produce all that it can produce. Hold that in your thoughts, the good and the bad being cut away. And then he said, then we pick up the vines that have fallen down off the trellis that are... um, that need to be lifted back up and we put them on the trellis and if their leaves have been covered in dirt we take and wash the leaves off so that indeed the sunlight can get through then he says they're ready they're ready to receive the nutrients from the trunk and who is the trunk I am the vine, Jesus said. I am the trunk. And so we have this viney trunk and the branches coming forth. And on vines, it is a little hard to tell about the branches and where where the branches start and the vine ends, but it does happen. And how does the branch get its nutrients? I don't think I have to really tell you, but here's the branch, here's the trunk, They meet at what Mikey said was a touch point. And there the juice flows, the nutrients to the vine, to the branches rather, to you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ. We receive all that we need to do in ministry from Jesus Christ just like the 
branches receive all that they need from the trunk of the vine. Well, there's one difference, though, isn't there? The branch exists in the vine unless a storm comes along and destroys it. But you and I don't automatically exist in Jesus Christ. Christ did choose us. That is automatic. If that grace is extended to everybody. But there's a reciprocal part of friendship, isn't there? You have to decide. You want to return the favor to be somebody's friend, don't you? You have to make the choice. You have to want to be someone who sucks up the nutrients of Christ. Now, I opened my little packet already because I didn't want to struggle with it in front of you, (laughs) which I often do with these little buggers. But if I take this straw out, which I'm not going to do either all the way, I no longer get the nutrients. But if it's in there, it reaches the touch point, the juice. Ah, that feels good, especially since I'm thirsty, although it's a little sugary for me. But you get the point. I've got to do the work to get this out or it's not going to come out. Or I know some of you, if it really doesn't work, what you're going to end up doing is getting something and cutting it open. But I have to work at it in order to receive its nutrients. I have to work at my relationship with Jesus Christ in order to receive the nutrients, which is what all this abiding or remaining in, depending on which version of the Bible you use, is about. I have to develop my relationship to be the most effective disciple that I can be. I must choose to suck up the nutrients of Christ, develop my friendship so that I can go forward in ministry filled with joy so that it says in the reading that Martha read you to, God will be glorified and my prayers will be answered. Now we pray in God's will for our answered prayer and that's another whole sermon. But it will all happen if we abide in Christ. And so that led me to think about what could I share with you if I was going to abide in Christ? Well, remember, I went to the Bible study and I thought I was living life well. But my friend kept saying to me, my friends kept saying to me, you know, there's something just you're struggling with. So, I worked at different practices to help me to get back in to my faith journey. 
for I felt good about being chosen by Christ. I felt good about going into ministry. But there are those moments in our lives that we struggle, that it weighs everything down and overshadows all the good that we can be doing. And when people don't see our joy, they are not going to want to become followers of Christ. That's pure and simple. Why should they? If we go around with dour faces. Now sometimes I know I get so intent, like rushing here from teeter to here, um, I get so intent that I forget to smile. It's not an intentional thing. I'm just set on what I'm going to do. But we need to show the joy in our life. Remember I said God needs to prune things from our lives? God needs to even cut away the good growth? Well, when I went into ministry, and there's several ministers in the congregation, and I don't know about them, but I had some really good friends in the area we lived in, and we still sort of keep in touch. But when I went into ministry, they were a good thing in my life. In fact, one was a walking partner for a long time. We would discuss things of God. We would discuss the church. But I no longer had time for that because I had to rearrange my priorities. I had to look at everything that I needed to get done, going to seminary, taking care of a church, taking care of my family, and doing the things that I needed to do, that I had to let those friendships wane. That was hard on me, really hard on me. And it showed. And another good friend said to me, you know, you, you need to get some good joy in your life. And took me to a retreat where that happened. It came back, the joy of wanting to serve the Lord. But it took something. God did some pruning in my life. In this case, it was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. There are bad things in my, in my life that always have to be pruned away too. But God took those so that I could move forward. And so then there are spiritual practices that I try to do, which are some of your typical spiritual, if you want to call disciplines in the life of the church, that we've all heard about. There are not any, there's not a corner on the market. And I want to say to you, there's not any one given way of how you should commune with God. It's finding the way that's best for you to commune with God. And of course, for me, Bible study was a great one. In fact, I could get lost for hours. And we do need to read this word of God because this word of God is what Jesus revealed 
in the Gospels to his disciples. Remember he says in our reading today, everything that I have learned, I have made known to you. Well, now the way we learn what he made known to his disciples is through our study of the Bible, whether it be in our daily devotions, whether it be in study in small groups with others, we have to know the Bible as our beginning point. And then spent time in prayer and meditation. Um, I know it's hard for people to meditate, um, but you know you need to work at it because the voice of God will speak out of that. Maybe not in that quiet time, but in the, the contact that you have with someone else later in the day, and you'll remember what you were meditating on, and it comes back and says, oh yeah, God is speaking. In fellowship time, fellowship time is not only here in worship, and worship is a way that we connect with God, but in fellowship time, fellowship time are all the ways that you interact with people throughout your day. And sometimes some of those discussions will include things of God. Many times they won't, but I have had the same covenant group for almost all the years that I have been in ministry. It has been a blessing. We have fun, and we've done trips, and we've done mission work. We've done everything together. But the most important thing that we did was hold each other accountable to our ministry and what that meant. And we were not too bashful about saying, hey, are you on the right page? Because sometimes we go astray. It's important to have that fellowship. The sacraments are away. I still do not understand Holy Communion fully whatsoever, but I do know that the grace of God enters into me when I come to communion and accept the elements and am renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit to leave this place when I have received communion. And in fact, Jesus tells us we should be doing it all the time. And then when baptism, we are washed clean the first time in our baptism through the Holy Spirit and then with the symbolism of the water. But every time that Jerry baptizes somebody, he reminds us once again to renew our vows to live this holy life that God wants us to live. And don't let that word holy scare you away because you are called to work towards being holy, imitating Christ, just as Christ is, because it says in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us to go as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then one of the last ways I thought of is through service with and for others. And I know many of you do service. Some of you have gone on mission trips. But that service can just be in your own neighborhood. That service can be in your workplace. But how it comes across and how you act it out is important. And when you get in discussions in your workplace, that's the opportunity to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. In your families, how do you bear fruit? Bearing fruit takes being connected to Christ, and being connected to Christ makes us have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen by osmosis. I always wanted that to happen in my studies, and it never did. 
You have to be intentional about nurturing yourself just as the gardener and the vineyard dresser God nurtures us in our faith journey. You may have other ways that you do this, but those are the basic ones. And that's what I wanted to impart to you this day in the thought that when Aaron comes back and he challenges us to do the 21-day journey for spiritual reflection, we might consider it, especially if we're not doing something like that. We might consider it so that we, too, might reflect on how well we are bearing fruit for the kingdom. You and I are appointed to bear fruit, fruit that requires us to allow God to shape us so we can do so. We are appointed to be intentional in our journey with Christ, to live out the commands and to love one another and to love Jesus as much as he loved us. If we do those things, we will bear fruit. We will abundantly, and our joy will be complete, resulting in God being glorified. So I challenge you to seek ways, to seek ways to suck up the living Christ and refresh your soul. Amen. Oh, gracious God, we thank you that indeed um, you want to refresh us. And so as we prepare to leave this place, we would ask that you would... um, Have us to take from these words what we need, each of us, so that we may live them in the ways that you want us to live them. All this we pray in your son's holy name. Amen.